I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Live Wire is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving or cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From PRI Public Radio International, it's... Recorded in front of a live audience in the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Livewire with actor Horatio Sands, comedian Aparna Nancherla, Portland Cat Cafe owners Kristen and Sergio Castillo, with music from Kyle Kraft and our fabulous house band, and now the host of Livewire. He's got a funny feeling about tonight's episode, but that could also just be something he ate. Luke Burbank! Thank you. Thank you, Jason Rouse. Thank you, everybody here at the Alberta Rose Theater. We have some new listeners this week. We're very excited to welcome the listeners of Iowa Public Radio in Iowa to the Livewire family. So don't make me look bad, guys, in front of our new cool Iowa listeners. Because we have a fun show for you. The theme of the hour is funny feelings. And we have some super funny people coming out. We have Horatio Sands from Saturday Night Live. And we have the very funny Aparna Nancherla here. Stand-up comedian extraordinaire. And we're also going to talk about feelings, which is okay. I have been feeling a little funny this week because... A couple of days ago, we celebrated my daughter's 23rd birthday. She's 23 years old, and for the next four months, until I have another birthday, that means that the difference in our age is 17 years. That's not enough years. I don't, I don't know why... The rest of the year, when I'm 18 years older than her, that feels better. Like, oh, 18, sure, that's, that's when you have a kid. If it's the 1300s, and the average life expectancy is like 30. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that, that my kid is 23, and there's another interesting component to it, which is that uh, one of her jobs is that she's one of the newsreaders at her college radio station, 
which is the exact same job I had when I was her age. Actually, that's not true. It was the job I was trying to get when I was her age. I was the work-study student at KUOW Public Radio in Seattle. And they would not let me be the newsreader because I was terrible at it. <laughs> I could not master the skill of reading the news story into the microphone and continuing to breathe. <laughs> could not do that at the same time. I could only cover stories that could be summarized in like under 45 seconds. <laughs> because that was how long I could hold my breath, essentially. And like every day I would record these little news stories and I would bring it to my long-suffering boss and he would patiently listen to the story and then he would kind of very subtly slide the script over to somebody else who could actually go on the radio and read the story. And I didn't let this get me down, people. I was so obsessed with trying to get on the radio. I kept bugging him. I would bug anybody at the radio station who would give me five minutes of their time. What do I got to do? How do I get on the air? And finally, I wore them down, and my boss said, okay, fine. I will let you fill in on the night show as the night host for a week while the real host is out of town. And this is what you had to do at that time to be the night host at KUOW. You had to read the weather reports. You had to play some recorded shows, and you had to not burn down the radio station. <laughs> they were not asking a lot of me, but I knew, I just knew in my heart, I was going to nail this. Like, I was going to read those weather reports with so much creativity, <laughs> so much honesty, really, <laughs> about high-pressure systems that they were going to hear it and they were going to have no choice but to hire me and also to give me my own radio show. Now, one of the recorded programs I was supposed to play was called The Radio Reader with Dick Estelle, which was exactly what the name indicates. It was a guy reading popular books one chapter at a time in order night after night. It was a very popular show. <laughs> and the only thing you could really do to mess up being the fill-in night host at KUOW would be to play one of the episodes of the radio reader out of order. <laughs> which is exactly what I did five minutes into my first shift. Like, all of a sudden, it was time to play that show. I panicked. I reached for the first tape that I saw. I put it in. It was the final chapter. <laughs> thus, ruining the Pelican Brief by John Grisham for half of Seattle. The next morning, my boss calls me into his office and he just looks exhausted. Like he looks like a person who's been fielding calls all morning from furious John Grisham fans, <laughs> which is exactly what he'd been doing. Needless to say, uh, I was relieved of my duties as the fill-in nighttime host on KUOW. I never really got to have my own show. Um, I guess unless you count this one, which is on KUOW in Seattle. So that's kind of like my dream coming true. It just took almost 20 years. Maybe the takeaway 
from this is actually useful in the sort of modern life in this country right now, which is, I think what I can learn from the fact that I came back from this is that there isn't anything so bad that we can't bounce back from it. I mean that. Like whether it's screwing up the free world or screwing up the end of a John Grisham book, I feel like there's always hope. So that's the message I want to take through this week, okay? There's always hope. Um, all right, our first guest knows from being funny. He was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for eight seasons, where he was so funny he became famous for making the other cast members, in particular Jimmy Fallon, crack up in the middle of sketches. That is something that is not supposed to happen, which is why it's one of life's great joys when it does. These days, he hosts the amazing podcast, The Hooray Show, and he'll soon be seen on NBC's comedy, Great News. Please welcome Horatio Sands to Livewire. Hi, everybody. Hi, Horatio. Welcome to Livewire. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. You were born in Chile. Do you have all your paperwork together, by the way? I just want to double check. I really do. I this do. is not like that. Could, that would have been a joke six months ago. Now it's like important self-care. You have your paperwork, right? People are really concerned for me. My brother sends me an email every three days to say, hey, you sure you don't want to become a citizen yet? Uh, because I'm not. But I do have a, a green card, um, and it's up to date. And so, you know, when they start deporting people with green cards, <laughs> then, uh, then I'll start freaking out. <laughs> I, I like to see the intersection of what I think of as xenophobic government policies and also procrastination. Yeah. It's like a terrible thing's happening nationally, and you're like, I, I don't have time to fill out all that paperwork until it gets really real. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. I'm really lazy. You grew up in Chicago, and then you got into uh, doing improv. You did stuff with Second City. How old were you when you started doing improv? I was uh, about 20. Um, and when I was little, I, when I was 16, I took classes. Um, and then later, when I uh, quit college, I, uh, I decided to get back into it. And then that worked out for a few years. <laughs> yeah, I mean... In the short run, it actually went really great because you ended up on Saturday Night Live. What, what do you remember about your audition? Like, what characters did you do? Were you freaked out? I was very freaked out, but I, uh, I had about three months to prepare for my audition. So, you know, I, I would do it in front of a mirror backstage at Second City over and over. So by the time I came to New York, I was very prepared. Again, one of the only times I've ever been prepared for anything. Um, because I, was, I, I didn't want to go audition for SNL and then blow it and then be like, oh, I could have been on SNL. Um, what characters did you do? Uh, I did, I don't know if many people know, Truman Capote. I mean, This is a public radio a audience. It's one oh, of the only right. things they know. They know. They know. <laughs> Even at the time, it was 1998, you know, a lot of people weren't talking about Truman Capote, but I knew <laughs> that Lauren would know it. Yeah. So I was just banking. That was one just for Lauren. So he'd be like, ooh, that's nice. Uh, Truman. Uh, Lauren Michaels, the, uh, the, the high, exalted yeah. boss of Saturday Night Live. The boss of all media. Yeah, and so I did Truman Capote, and uh, it, here it is. Someone here is a murderer. 
That's, that's, the, that's all of it. Um, <laughs> and it worked, apparently. It worked. Yeah, you it got on work. SNL. I did uh, Meatloaf. Because, uh, you know, I, I could sing. So I, could, I, can, I was a better mimic at, uh, at singing than I was at doing impressions. So, you know, those, those all came with music first, like Ozzy and Elton John. Uh, and then I had to kind of make up an impression, which, you know, I follow a rule of Dana Carvey who says, you know, make it funny before you make it accurate. <laughs> uh, and so that's what we try to do. That's actually my motto for my marriage. Yeah. It's not going great. It doesn't go great. Not so far. We have Horatio Sands here. His podcast is The Horatio. We're going to take a short break. This is Livewire Radio from PRI. Back in a moment. Hey, it's Luke. If you're looking to stay in the loop with all things Livewire, there's an easy way to do that, and that is to sign up for our newsletter. We will let you know when the new podcasts are being released and also when we are coming to a town near you to record our live show, which is so much fun. I know because I attend most of them. Also, our newsletter includes photos from the live shows and more information about the different guests that we bring up on stage. Just click the Stay Informed button on the Livewire homepage over there at livewireradio.org. Welcome back to Livewire Radio from PRI. My name is Luke Burbank. We have Horatio Sands here. He has a great podcast called The Horatio Show. He's also soon going to be seen on the new NBC show called Great News. A lot of people know you from Saturday Night Live. I'm really curious to get your opinion on this because you have talked in interviews about the politics of the sketches on Saturday Night Live and the fact that sometimes you personally have said you wished that they maybe... To use kind of a corny cliche, they spoke a little more truth to power. Yeah. This feels like an extremely vital time for Saturday Night Live because the current president is being lampooned week in and week out, and they're having kind of record ratings, and you know he's watching it, which is like the most weird thing to wrap your mind yeah, around. I think it's his favorite show, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is so ironic that every week they're just constantly slamming him, and he must be like, what did I do? <laughs> but yeah, I did a sketch with him. I was dressed as a chicken with him, and we had a, we had a lovely time. I didn't see that coming. I really... <laughs> how do you feel about how SNL has been dealing with all of the kind of political tumult of late? Well, you know, they got a lot of bad uh, feedback from when they put him on the show in the first place. And at the time, again, I was like, well, you know, we've had him on before, and they're going to have Hillary on, and, you know, you, it's the... You know, it's this big show, so you have to kind of have the candidates on. I agree with SNL having Trump on the show, but uh, they weren't really attacking him in a way that I think they are now. I want to ask you about Jimmy Fallon, who you know really well, obviously. You guys teamed up in a lot of things on SNL. He is obviously the host of The Tonight Show now, and he's gotten some grief from some people because when he was interviewing the now president when he was uh, running for office, he was just kind of a fun interview. He kind of mussed his hair, and it wasn't like he didn't ask these hard-hitting questions. Do you feel like that's the job of somebody who hosts The Tonight Show, to ask those kinds of questions? Um, I mean, it's up, to, it's up to, to Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's never been political, and... Uh, 
you know, that's, he's always been one of these guys who just wants to entertain as many people as possible. You know, he wasn't the one that called him out, but months had gone on where no one was really calling him out. So, you know, to expect Jimmy Fallon to be the one journalist in this country to call him out yeah. is, you know, it's a little unrealistic. So I think the media, they really dropped the ball, and so they were all blaming him uh, for not doing anything. We've got Horatio Sands here. Uh, of the Hooray Show podcast and also uh, NBC's upcoming show, Great News. This is Live Wire Radio. My name is Luke Burbank. Uh, Horatio, you were part of, I don't even want to say one of the greatest moments in Christmas music. I want to say one of the greatest moments in music history. <laughs> A song that you performed multiple times on Saturday Night Live called I Wish It Was Christmas Today. I would like to regale the listeners with a little sample of that in case you've forgotten. This is Horatio holding, is that a ukulele? It's a backpacker uh, six-string guitar. A backpacker six-string guitar. Uh, you got Jimmy Fallon up there, also Chris Kattan and uh, Tracy Morgan. And uh, here's what that sounded like, a little bit of that. I don't care what your mama says, Christmas time is near. I don't care what your daddy says, on purpose. All I know is the Santa sleigh is making its way to the USA. All right. Can you give me a little bit of the story on how this song came about? Thank you. How sweet. <laughs> uh, many people know because they're fans of SNL, but. If you don't know, 90% uh, of the sketches that appear on the show on Saturday are probably written Wednesday morning between 2 and 6 in the morning. <laughs> and then we read them Wednesday afternoon, and then they would go in rehearsal on Thursday. So, many, so we're all there, which is really fun, kind of coming up with skits, doing bits. And so uh, Jimmy got that backpacker from the company, and so it was in our office, and so I would pick it up and noodle around with it. And I started playing that, that little riff. And then I was kind of like, um, it was just me at first, and I would go into like Catan's office and play it. And then he wanted to come with me, so then he would perform. And then Jimmy was like, I'll just learn the keyboard part. So we got the keyboard, and that was kind of awesome. And then Tracy was like, I want to be in that. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> See, you do do impressions. That was a pretty good oh, Tracy yeah, I learned, Morgan. I learned. I had to, I had to. So, I mean, that's a pretty out there concept for SNL, at least during the period of time you were there. Did, was it an immediate hit within the building? Like, did Lauren and everybody else see it and think that's going to be... More importantly, it was a big hit with Lauren's dentist. Uh, <laughs> because after we did it, there was actually talk about doing it again, and I was like, no, this isn't the kind of scene that you do again. But in retrospect... The, the song is about being obsessed with Christmas. So it can be any time as long as it's not Christmas Day. So, <laughs> so I'll retweet it a lot, but never on Christmas Day. Sometimes the day after Christmas, but usually before. So did you kind of write the lyrics then, I guess, just walking around the halls of, of NBC? Yeah, you know, I don't care what your mama says. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it goes to the roots of my, of my Chicago upbringing. There was a lot of your mama stuff going around back in the 70s and early 80s. And so, 
you know, yelling at someone, I don't care what your mama says, I don't care what the, <laughs> I don't care what the mayor says, I don't care what the FBI says, yeah. you know. Uh, so it's all about just like being obsessed with Christmas. So And being um, angry at anyone who would say anything different. Right, right. Like it's one of the angrier Christmas songs I've heard. And I, thank you. <laughs> We're talking to Horatio Sands. You and it turns out your roommate collaborate on the, well, housemate anyway, on this podcast yeah. of yours, The Horatio, which is so great. It reminds me in a way of old time radio. It's you guys do sketches and interviews and all kinds of bits. It's recorded in your basement, right? Yeah. Do you really live with the co-host and producer of the show? Yeah. Uh, I rent a house in Echo Park, and me and my girlfriend broke up after a long relationship. And then Chad came to town, and uh, we hung out, and he's like, you want to do a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I do want to do a podcast. So then he just moved in. Um <laughs> And now he lives in my basement. Um, and he also sleeps upstairs, like we're right next to each other. But that affords, you know, that affords me to just to be, like, knowing how lazy I am, I, I figured at least I could walk down into the basement and do a podcast. And so that's what we do. You know, I just walk down, I, I give him a warning, and he's usually down, and then we record. So you just have, like, basically a, a person there, a friend slash podcast producer who's just ready to podcast in the basement at whenever the mood strikes you. Yeah. And he's really good at it, too. So, you know, it's like having Phil Spector down there. Uh, I, I don't just know plug if you in, know. you know, I just plug in and then yeah. the wall of sound goes up and forget about it. I don't know if you know how that Phil Spector story ends, but... <laughs> Not super great. With an acquittal, I think. Horatio Sands, everybody, right here on Livewire. Rolling Stone described our musical guest this hour's sound as a swamp bar jukebox loaded with British glitter and 70s southern rock which actually makes a lot of sense if you trace Kyle Kraft's roots. He was raised in Louisiana he learned about rock music from a David Bowie compilation he found at Kmart. From there, he started playing guitar, made his way to Portland, ended up on Sub Pop Records, and now here he is on our show. His latest album is Dolls of Highland. Please welcome Kyle Kraft to Livewire. <laughs> Kyle, welcome to Livewire. Thanks. Good to be here. What are you going to play for us? Uh, this song called Before the Wall. All right. It's Kyle Kraft on Livewire. If the wall, it goes up and the country comes down and it's too tall to get in and too late to get out. And the beaches have barbed wire across every shore. Well, could we lay down those guns if we didn't need them anymore? If the wall it goes up, will the thing ever fall? Or will it stand there forever so long after we are gone? 
as a tombstone for freedom in a world that went wrong. A reminder of how far we all haven't come. If the wall it goes up and there's no need to leave, can I get all I want from the number on the screen? If I die one eight hundred. Can you bring it to me? Straight to my couch, the American dream. If the wall it goes up and your Jesus comes back and he knocks on the door, will you stand to attack? If he ain't got his papers and he don't have much cash, well, would you take him in, jail him, or just send him back? If the wall it goes up, could I get rich like you? Could I buy me a fake wife and a ghost rider too? And a Rolls Royce to drive down each broke avenue. Smiling fat on my high horse through a ghetto so blue. If the wall it goes up and you're stuck here inside and you're caught with skin color that some lawmen don't like. Will they beat you with the same bars they throw you behind? And if it was you, would you resist giving or just hide? If the wall it goes up like the walls built before, will we be forced to take sides in some new civil war? Where it's east versus west versus south versus north versus people with money versus people dirt poor. But if that wall it stays down and all those people stay free, and it ain't quite as bad as Donald Duck said it would be. What if I let you be you and you let me be me? It's a song before the wall for all us to see. It's a song before the wall for all you to see. Kyle Kraft, right here on Livewire. This week's show is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines, an airline with over 800 daily departures to over 100 cities, even to tropical, un-Alaskan lands like Costa Rica and Hawaii. And with a name like Alaska, you know their air conditioning will be on point. <laughs> Alaska Airlines, fly nice. Hey, if you're going to be in the Portland, Oregon area on March 9th, join us right here at the Alberta Rose Theater for a taping of Livewire with My Drunk Kitchen's Hannah Hart, Former child star turned author Mara Wilson. She was Matilda, you guys. You remember that? And comedian Jim Norton will also be here. More information and tickets at livewireradio.org. 
Our theme this week is funny feelings, and we've got a lot of comedy in the show, but we also know that these days, lots of people are having some really real feelings of anxiety and nervousness. We were thinking, what better place to process those feelings than a cat cafe, where you can eat, drink, and pet adorable kittens? But Luke, you say, that's impossible. Cat cafes are not a real thing. To which I respond, have you been to Portland? Of course there's one here. Our next guests run Purrington's Lounge, a cafe slash cat rescue located right here in the Rose City. Please welcome Kristen and Sergio Castillo to Livewire. Kristen and Sergio, welcome to Livewire. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, do you two remember the first moment the words cat lounge entered your family lexicon? Yeah. Actually, what happened is she watched a video online from a friend of ours uh, in Paris. And she screams. And she goes, look, there's a cat cafe. I go, what the heck is a cat cafe? Um, and then we started researching on what, how, or how to actually make one here in the United States because there weren't any here yet. So you saw a video from France that this was going on, and Kristen, you were like, this is my calling? Yes, I did not like my job at the time, and um, it was just You were in like, like a dog cafe or something? It was just the natural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. No. What were you doing for your job oh when God. you got this idea? I was working in a corporate tax department as a secretary. God. That, if there is anything that is the opposite of a cat cafe. Yeah, exactly. It's corporate tax secretary. Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. It's and a so tax this, cafe. This just, it gave me a reason to live again, you know? So if I come into Purrington's Lounge, I will get some food and get a drink. And then as I go just sit in a room where the cats are just kind of hanging. Yep. And then is what happens after that just kind of up to me if I go make friends with a cat? You can or... go make friends. Sometimes they jump on your lap. You can chat with other people about cats or about whatever. Do you feel like people are coming in these days with more intention behind trying to process their feelings about the world? It is a very anxious yes. place for a lot of absolutely. us. Absolutely. Absolutely, yep. We've had a huge uptick in business since the election. <laughs> we, no, we really have. Like, people are looking for comfort and per therapy, and we have it there. We, we welcome everybody. We, it's all about the love and distraction. How about the cats? Is it therapeutic for them? Because these are yes, it actually I mean, these is. are rescues, and so these cats yes, were basically absolutely. sort of yes. in foster they, care. They love the love. They love the humans. It helps to socialize them and, and prepare them to move into a home with their family. If maybe they're a little shy, they kind of get used to it, and they're like, "Oh, people are good." We're talking to Kristen and Sergio Castillo. They own Purrington's Cat Lounge here in Portland. What is the part of owning a cat lounge or cat cafe? that has really surprised you? Like, what, what did you not expect going in? You know, we didn't expect that our shelter would be low on cats sometimes. That, that's a, that I never thought that we have, would have a shortage of cats. How many Portland. cats have you managed to place in homes? Almost 300. We'll hit 300 this weekend. <laughs> and, you know, it's, sometimes the shelter is like, well, we don't have cats to send you, so people have a cat on hold, and I'm like, well, you can't take this cat home until, like, a week and a half, until the shelter can send more cats. Because you so guys will be out of cats. We'll be out of cats, right. and then we, you know, like, who wants to come to a cat cafe with two cats? You know? Yeah, the, <laughs> so we the, had uh, a hold That's just back. called my stepmom's yeah. house. Right. 
exactly. So, so could somebody, let's say you had plenty of cats and somebody came in, can they come in and if they really hit it off with a cat, can they adopt them like on the spot? No. We don't do same-day adoptions because we do serve alcohol. We want, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. That's a really good point. Kind of a very, emo- you know, talk about your feelings, right? Have you had to talk a drunk Portlander out of trying to adopt one of your cats because they were getting into the wine? No. Not really. Not really. It hasn't happened. I mean, people but. typically spend an hour there. It's, you know, it's like an hour long kind of deal. Sometimes it's a little longer, but that's usually not long enough to get too hammered. If I was having a really bad day and I just needed some help feeling better and I rubbed catnip over my whole body, <laughs> would I be allowed to lie down in the middle of the floor yeah. at the cafe? Yep. Has that ever happened? You sprinkle yourself like a turkey and you just lay there. Yeah. Is there a name for that? No, but there should be. We need Cat to think of a name. Somebody yeah. say Burbanking it? <laughs> Burbanking it. Burbank. I love it. I'm just offering yes. it as an option. You guys, like thank it. you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> thank Kristen you. Kristen and Sergio Castillo from Purrington's Cat Lounge here in awesome. Portland. Thank you. Livewire is made possible by Fully, the company that makes the standing desk, the Jarvis. Now, sure, standing desks used to be weird, but now they're normal. In fact, that one-size-fits-all desk that you might be using, that's what's weird. (laughs) Stop being weird. Fully also carries chairs and anti-fatigue mats and other things to keep us moving while we're at work or at home because that is what it's really all about. Not just standing, but staying in motion. Learn more about the things Fully makes and sells at fully.com slash livewire. I have been a fan of our next guest for years and years, ever since I started following her on Twitter, where her understated observations have a way of really clarifying life for me. For example... Tweets like, any pizza is a personal one if you cry while you eat it. (laughs) Or this little life lesson, every girl hangs on to at least one pair of underwear that keeps her humble. (laughs) Her latest comedy album is just putting it out there. Please welcome the humble and hilarious Aparna Nancherla to Livewire. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm trying this new thing where I show up to places I agreed to be, so this is cool. <laughs> this is neat. See what the hype is about. I've been, uh, I've been traveling more in general lately, which is cool, but uh, something kind of strange happened when my flight landed the other day. I was coming down the aisle, and the pilot was standing at the front, and I never know what to say to them. You know, it's always like, thank you, good game, whatever. And then... <laughs> I muttered something incoherent, I kind of shuffled by, and then I heard the woman behind me, and she just leans into him, and she goes, I really enjoyed what you did with the flight. (laughs) Which I thought was silly, but also kind of beautiful, because what I thought was just a standard, you know, takeoff, cruise, landing, she treated him like he was some kind of avant-garde performance artist of flying. (laughs) Where she was just like, honestly, what you did up there was groundbreaking work. 
Like you're bending the genre. You made me rethink clouds. But then, you know, I can imagine her not always being as nice. Like she gets off a different flight and she's just like, that was derivative. <laughs> There's a lot of the same old, same old. Ending, super predictable. I don't know, it's a it's weird time to be alive in general. Like, I, I, some people want to hear about the news, some people don't. I, I feel like I have to keep talking about it just to process it, but I still, like, can't wrap my head around what's going on. Like, I constantly feel like someone who's at a funeral who's never been to a funeral before, so every few seconds I'm just like, but he's dead! And everyone's like, we know. That's why we're here. We're all just trying to get through it, sort of process it together. And then 30 seconds later, I'm just like, but he's not moving. And it's like, yeah, we're all reading the same headlines that you are. Like, to me, it almost feels like reality has air quotes around it right now, you know? It's such a loose term. It's like, what is real? Is Frederick Douglass still alive? Maybe. Maybe you just got to look at it differently. Sometimes when I open CNN lately, it's like I read a few headlines, I'm just like, even if the writers of Black Mirror read some of these, they'd just be like, too dark. <laughs> too dark! Like, I would not go that far. That is not believable writing. I think part of the problem is that, like, Trump, uh, I believe it's pronounced Bannon now, um, he, he keeps... Like, he keeps doing stuff that I didn't even realize he could do. Like, I know he made a lot of threats, but I was like, I didn't realize he could just sign a thing. And it's like, okay, now all the national parks are just cemeteries for science books. It's like, what? <laughs> like, honestly, I would not be surprised if he cancels birds. <laughs> and, you know, some of you laugh, but just wait. He'll, like, sign a thing. He'll be like, I don't like it. They tweet about me. It's mean. Um... <laughs> They're taking our jobs. That is Trump logic. Also, why do the worst people with the most terrible ideas always seem to have the most confidence and, like, gather all this power? Like, I, I was like, no one in his administration, I could imagine them just, like, sitting up in the middle of the night in, like, a cold sweat, just being like, maybe I should rethink everything I do and say. Whereas, like, the rest of us with no power and good intentions are walking around just being like, did I smile at that barista wrong, you know? It doesn't seem, doesn't seem like a fair trade-off by the universe. You kind of you know you're living in a grim time when, when you go to therapy and your therapist is just like, do you want to go first or should I? Um, they're both... We both got a lot to get through. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty anxious person, and it is nice that it's finally on message, you know? Like, yeah, for the anxiety ridden, it's kind of like, this is what we trained for. This is our Olympics. Like, all those nights awake, it's like, it's showtime. <laughs> Um, okay, I think I'm out of time, but thank you guys so much. Thank you. Aparna Nancherla here on LiveWire. Hello. Hello. 
Welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's nice to see you. Um, I heard you on NPR not that long ago talking mm. about how you do a lot of jokes about anxiety and about depression. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if that is cathartic for you or if it's just because those are the only things you can think of when you're writing a joke because that's what's going on inside your head. Well, no, it's funny that you say that because I did initially start writing about those things because I was kind of in a rut in my life where it did feel like those were the only things that were filling my brain. So I was like, well, since I can't seem to write anything else, I'll just write about these and maybe it'll help me come out of it. And, you know, it's not like that cured me, but it was like a nice way to sort of make sense of what was happening. So where are you at now with that stuff? Do you feel like you have uh, uh, tools to, to sort of yeah, deal with I it? Think, I mean, I think it, for anyone who like deals with general anxiety or depression, it's not like you can ever really cure it, but it is like you learn ways to manage it and you learn ways to sort of tackle it depending on, you know, what is causing it or like where you are at in your life. Like it's kind of an ongoing dialogue with your demons. I, I know it sounds like I'm uh, just really wanting to deep dive on all of the things that are challenging for you. No, no, it's a, the- it's a theme in the show. It you is. We're to. Ta- we are talking about funny feelings. I'm, I was really uh, interested to read that you still have stage fright sometimes because mm-hmm. I have total stage fright. And yeah. I just thought I was doing a bad job of getting over the fact that we have to record these kinds of things no. in front of people. I know. And look at us. Look at this. This is crazy. Um, no, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't always think of stage fright as like a sign that you're not a seasoned performer or like something that's a weakness. Because to me, it's just like I have an overactive brain. So I think whatever is the next thing in front of me on a given day, it's like that is going to be a little bit blown out of proportion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you also have ordering chai tea fright? Sure. It's like whatever's happening can yeah, get folded yeah. into anxiety for it, you. Anxiety is kind of a, like, choose your own adventure of how this thing could go wrong. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Aparna Nancherla. we got to take a quick break. This is Livewire Radio. Back in a moment. Hey, you know, Livewire only exists because of our league of extraordinary listeners. And we want to say thanks to a couple of them this week. Our special members of the week, Christina Perkins from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and David Yanko from Portland, Oregon. Support from good folks like Christina and David is what keeps us doing our thing. So thank you so much. We really couldn't do this without you. Welcome back to Livewire Radio from PRI. I'm Luke Burbank. We're coming to you this week from the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, and we have Aparna Nancherla here with us. Do you remember the first joke that you wrote and performed that you felt really good about? Uh, oh, <laughs> the last part kind of negated the first um, <laughs> thing I thought of. Uh, like, do you remember, an, like, early on in the process, like, a joke that when you'd go up, it would reliably work, and you were like, yes. I mean, there was this joke, and I don't even remember the wording of it, but I did a rant about pears, the fruit, because yeah. they're like, you know, they, they bruise a lot easier, and they're softer skinned, and I guess I had had enough with people going easy on them. So I, I remember that. Was, I was like, oh, 
why is no one talking about this? But um, I think that was the first joke where people were like, oh man, I love that bit you do about pears. And I was like, oh man, I guess I found what people are really wanting to hear. <laughs> it's time somebody stood up to yeah. Big Pear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you're on this uh, new HBO show called Crashing mm-hmm. um, that is starring uh, a really funny comedian named Pete Holmes. Yeah. Uh, how did you like doing that kind of acting and performing? Was that kind of new for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been doing more acting stuff as of recent, and it kind of, I do feel like the show that, or whatever you're filming very much determines sort of the experience you'll have. Like Crashing, you know, is like a Judd Apatow project, so it has that sort of, a lot of his stuff is very grounded in in real life, and, and sort of like we would have a scene very loosely sketched out, and then the actual scene would just come out of us like talking out the beats, so it would end up looking different than what we thought we were going to shoot that day. So in that sense, it was a lot of like uh, more of a DIY feel, whereas something that you know is maybe more overly written, you kind of go in, you do your jokes, and then that's it, yeah. Uh, do you get nervous with all like the cameras and the lights and the pressure of say this thing? Because uh, stand-up comedy can be a very expressive, freeform thing. You do whatever you want. When you're being filmed on TV, particularly for an HBO show, there's a lot of... Yeah, the weird thing is like with acting, like I almost feel like the more you have to do, the less uh, nerve-wracking it is because it's like you have enough things to consume your brain. I admire like extras more because I'm just like they have to be, pretend to be having a conversation that's not real like, that seems a lot harder, and to make it look real. When they're um, in the ninth hour yeah. of standing behind yeah. you and Pete Holmes in yeah. the pizza shop pretending to talk to someone right. they just met that day. Yeah, and not saying words, but making it look like they're talking. Like, that seems harder to me rather than being like, okay, say these lines. You're having this, like, conversation with this person. Like, that to me feels more, you know, like you have a reference point for, for talking and words coming out that people can hear. <laughs> I never thought of how awkward that would be to be an extra in those scenes. Yeah, or like I did some office scenes recently and it's like there would be like people having to walk through with papers and have like an interaction with someone and then walk through. And it's like the 50th time, what, are, what is your motivation? <laughs> okay, Aparna, uh, mm-hmm. we were talking about feelings on the show this week and that is something you can't really talk about without bringing up the father of modern psychoanalysis, Sigmund Freud, who I assume you've heard of. Yeah, I was actually a psych major, so this... Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay, you're going to ace this. Here's the thing, though. Sigmund Freud was not the only super smart person who we can take life lessons from, and we wanted to prove that point and also finally win our mother's affection <laughs> with a, a challenge that we're calling Freudian or Freddian. Okay, this is how this is going to work, Aparna. I'm going to read you a real quote, and you have to figure out if it's from Freud or if it is just from a person named Fred. Okay. And uh, announcer Jason Rouse, can you keep score for us here? Yeah, I have a pen and everything. Okay. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Relax, everyone. He brought a pen and everything. All right, here we go. Freudian or Freudian. Quote, your best friend... And your worst enemy is your own brain. Mm. I'm going to start out conservative and go Freud on this one. I understand why you would think that. That's actually a Fred. That is Fred Durst, frontman of Limp Bizkit. 
Wow, I feel like I haven't been giving in enough credit. I know. This was an eye-opening exercise for us at Livewire when we wrote this up. Here's another quote. To walk around with an ego is a bad thing. To have confidence in yourself is a great thing. Oh, man. I thought the Freds would really stand out. Um, I'm going to go with Fred. You are right. That is also Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. Did he write a book that I don't know about? He contains pearls of wisdom that I think a lot of us were sleeping on. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Continuing on with Freudian or Freddian. Here's another quote for you, either from Sigmund Freud or from somebody named Fred. Uh, Dreams are often most profound when they seem the most crazy. I... Now I don't want to ever say Freud. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go Fred again. That was actually Sigmund Freud. Oh, my gosh. I, just, I feel like I couldn't imagine him saying crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. I think they were a little less careful with those words back in the day <laughs> yeah. when he was almost inventing right. the entire way of talking about this. When he was this. prescribing cocaine. Yeah. yeah. At that point, calling someone crazy was the least right, un- unprofessional right. thing he was doing. Yeah. Jason, score? Uh, One correct, two incorrect. Okay. Still have a lot of questions. Here's another quote. Is it a Fred or is it a Freud? Why can't they invent something for us to marry instead of women? I wonder who us is in this scenario. (laughs) Um, I will say... uh, (laughs) I'm paralyzed. Uh, Freud. That was Fred Flintstone. (laughs) All right, that's fair. I see where she got that, because if you I, filter that through cocaine, yeah. you, would, you could see Freud saying that. Yeah, man. All right, here's another one. Is this a Fred or is this a Freud? Knowing that we can be loved exactly as we are gives us all the best opportunity for growing into the healthiest of people. I mean, following the pattern, this would be classic Durst, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, shoot, I think I should just go for losing now. Um, I'm going to say a Fred. That was a Fred. That is Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Oh, Rogers. Oh, all right. All right, we don't have much time left. We're going to mm. have to move along here. Okay. Uh, what's the score, Jason? Uh, two correct, three incorrect. It's neck okay. and neck. We've got two more questions. There's still okay. a chance. There's you could chance. Uh, come from behind. Or tank it and just get the first draft pick next year. Right. It's, just, it's your call. Here we go. With Aparna Nancherla, Freudian or Freudian, trying to decide if these quotes are from Freud or from somebody named Fred. Um, Flowers are restful to look at. They have neither emotions nor conflicts. I'm going to go Freud. You're absolutely right. Ooh. That was Freud. Wow. All right, and here is the last one. I think we all have a little dark side that we keep under wraps. Um, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Fred. That is Fred Savage from the Wonder Years. Oh. You're absolutely right. Oh and that means you win, I think. Oh, right, Jason? What do we win? Three rocks. She did it. She pulled it out. A pardon and Sherla, everybody. Thank you. Right here on Thank you. 
This week's show is brought to you by Amtrak, offering spacious legroom with no middle seats, extra cars to walk around, such as an observation car with panoramic windows, a full dining car, bistro cafe, free Wi-Fi, and much more. With over 500 destinations, see where the train can take you. Details and reservations at Amtrak.com. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks to our guests, Aparna Nancherla, Horatio Sands, Kristen and Sergio Castillo from Purrington's Cat Cafe, and Kyle Kraft. Livewire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines, Amtrak, and Foley. Hotel accommodations generously provided by Provenance Hotels. Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Laura Haddon is our producer and editor. Becky Fogel is our associate producer. Jason Rouse is our announcer. Caitlin Kunkel was our guest writer for this show. Our house band is Jonathan Newsom and A. Walker Spring. Molly Pettit is our technical director. D. Neil Blake does our house sound and our recording. Big thanks to Carlson Audio and Revival Drum Shop. Our development director is Lauren Masterson. Laura Harden is our marketing director. And our operations manager is Diana Dawson. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Cultural Trust and the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire is made possible by the generous support of our members. And this week, we'd like to thank members Jean Marie Walsh of Chicago, Illinois, and Amy and John Wexler of Portland, Oregon, for all their support. For more information about the show or how to listen to our podcast or sign up for our newsletter, visit livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. PRI Public Radio International. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.